When you think of godliness, you think of Brother Johnny Godare. When you think of a real man's man, you think of Johnny Godare. I want you today to worship the Lord as Brother Godare comes and delivers his heart to us. We have the rest of the day. Praise God. Let's give him his liberty. Let him preach. Preach to us, Brother Godare. Brother Johnson, praise the Lord, everyone. It's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful to be in this. My, 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 have you ever in your life heard better preaching? Have you ever? But we just got through hearing from Brother Garrett. Mighty and awesome, powerful. My, my, my. Last night, Brother White, absolutely marvelous message, anointed by the Spirit of God. These men have blessed me tremendously. Brother Morton's already gone, but his message Wednesday night and yesterday was so very outstanding. Brother White's message yesterday, I have just been feasting. My, my, my. Isn't the Lord good? It's good to be among the Lord's people. And then to be here with Brother and Sister Johnson. This great church is indeed a delight. It's my first time to be in Colorado Springs, but I'm very thrilled to be here. I appreciate all of the nice accommodations, the nice room, the fruit basket, and the uh, good meals we've been enjoying, good fellowship, good services. What a wonderful church this is. What a wonderful church this is. Don't take long to be in a, in a church so you can kind of feel what kind of, kind of church it is. And uh, this is a wonderful church, and I'm very, very thrilled to be here. It's my delight and my privilege to be here today. Amen. I heard Brother... Travis tell years ago, this was back in the 80s when Ronald Reagan was president, he said there was a professor that came into a college class one day, the first day of the semester. They had never seen him and he had never seen them and he walked to the podium and without any words of introduction, he said, um, Elizabeth is the Queen of England, Hirohita is the Emperor of Japan, Reagan is the President of the United States, how old am I? That was his introduction to class. Nobody said anything. Well, he went in and taught the class. Second day, he said, come back. He introduced his class. He said, Elizabeth is the Queen of England. Hirohita is the Emperor of Japan. Reagan is the President of the United States. How old am I? And nobody said a word. And he taught his class. And the third day, he come back and he said the same thing. And he said, how old am I? And one old boy back toward the back raised his hand and said, I think I'm up. He said, how old? He said, you're 44. He said, that's exactly right. This man must be a genius. Come up here, sir. And he came to the front, and he said, Would you tell us by what mathematical equation you worked this out? How did you figure this out? Oh, he said, it's easy. He said, I've got a brother, and said, he's in the insane asylum. He said, he's 22, and said, I figured you twice crazy as he was. I'm not, I'm not going to be asking you how old you think I am today because somebody in here figured it out. Somebody did it right. That's, that's the truth. Praise God. Let's turn in our Bibles today. Brother Charles, it's good to see you and your wife. The choir's been doing so good and the special singing and music has been wonderful. Couldn't be any better, could it? Just couldn't be any better. Exodus chapter 34 in the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 34, and I'll start reading at verse number 27. 
chapter 34 and verse number 27. Praise God. <clears throat> Living for God and serving the Lord is a process. It doesn't all happen overnight. It takes time to be holy. It takes time to build churches. When I was a single evangelist many years ago, there was an old preacher who told me, he said, let me tell you something, son, if you ever pass the church, he said, it'll take you 20 years to build a church. In my youthful desire to do something for God, I thought, yeah, man, it'll be a whole lot quicker than that. And I come to find out that he wasn't too far off. You may get a crowd together, but it takes a while to build a church. It takes time to build a church. Amen. Chet Adkins was a great guitar player, and I think he's getting older now. But he said that <clears throat> I practice on the guitar 12 to 14 hours a day. That was that several years ago. There's 360 chords to make. Uh, yeah. I know G, D, C, and E. And they said Chet Adkins could make every chord he could make possible to make on the guitar. Well, one I know is close to him. <laughs> now, I know you know you know a lot of <laughs> But uh, <clears throat> I read years ago where Liberace, I'm going to prove his lifestyle, but let me just quote what he said. <laughs> he said, uh, he said, if I miss practice on the piano, one day I can tell. If I miss two days, my family can tell it. If I miss three days, my friends can tell it. If I miss four days, the whole world. So we got to stay with what we're doing. Jimmy Carter said one time when he was president, he said, I can get up at 9 o'clock and be rested, or I can get up at 6 o'clock and be president. <laughs> Praise God. What are they saying? It takes time. You're going to live for God and do it right. It takes some time. If you're going to build a church, it takes time. We're going to build people, it takes time. Praise God. I want to do something for God while it's, death, while it's time, don't you? Work while it's day, the night's coming when no man can work. Amen, amen, amen. Let's turn to Exodus thirty-four twenty-seven. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write thou these words, for after the tenor of these words, I have made a covenant with thee and with Israel. And he was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights, neither, neither eat bread nor drink water. And he wrote upon the tables in the words, the words of the covenant, Ten Commandments. It came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in Moses' hand. When he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh unto him. Now I've read verse 27 through 30. 34th chapter of Exodus. I'll preach to you a little while today. And I don't know when quitting time is, but I'm going to quit when quitting time. But the wife's got to go to the airport at 1 o'clock. I'll be through before 1 o'clock. But I want to tell him goodbye for you. Praise God. I want to preach today, and um, Brother Martin yesterday said he didn't have a text. But boy, what did he ever preach? Teach. Great. Uh, I, I want to. Uh, if, if, my, if my subject had a cold, I'm sure my text would never catch it. But I want to preach for a little while today on living our life for others. Living our life for others. Brother Johnson, why don't you pray? Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We 
coming back from an audience with God and talking to God and communicating with God, he would have written the book, <clears throat> tried to publish it immediately on how to get a shiny face. Is that right or wrong? Uh, he would have held a seminar. I mean, the next thing you know, he'd have been holding a seminar on how to get a shine from God. Everybody come to this seminar, pay $50 or $100, and I'll teach you how to get a shine, how to have God give you a shiny face. That's been the modern preacher. He probably said, send me, send me $10 or $15, and I'll pray over this book and bless it. And this book will tell you how to get a shiny face. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. And, of course, I can tell you how to not have a shiny face or how to have a shiny face. Just don't put any powder on it and it'll shine. Now, Moses, the Bible says, that Moses didn't even know that his face was shining. Now, when I read that, I, I, I got to thinking about it recently. Did, did you know that when you really get in the will of God and you become and you're being what God wants you to be and what you ought to be, that you are not totally aware of what you have and what you are, but you are living your life for someone else. You're living your life for others. And I believe it's time that God's people start trying to live their life for someone else. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's time for the church to mobilize. It's time for the church, as we've already heard, to evangelize. It's time for the church to fast and pray. It's time for the church to seek the face of God. It's time for the church to get a hold of the horns of the altar and pray and seek the face of God until God sends us an apostolic Jesus name, Holy Ghost, one God revival. And when we get that, we will not do it to exalt a person, but we will together exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, the Apostle Paul said that no flesh should glory in his presence. I believe it's time to take all the glory of, out of it for man and give the glory to God. Hallelujah. Through the years of 37 years of pastoring the church, I've tried just about everything. I've had singing groups. I've had the choirs and special groups, and I just about have reached the place to where I'm not going to feature so much a special singing group. We need the anointing of God, and we got talented people in our churches. That's, that's singing right here in this church, a choir, the special songs, and so on. In most of our churches, we have some talented people, so the greatest need of this hour in the church is not to get some uh, well-financed uh, uh, music director or some great singing group. I've used a lot of them, and they were just using our churches as a springboard to put them out there in the world. 
Hallelujah. I'm not going to call any names, but I'm thinking of quite a few right now that have sung for us, Brother White, and now then they've taken their talent out there and they use uh, phrases like, we made peanuts when we was in the apostolic churches and now then we're making big money. If that's what they're in it for, then that's all they'll ever get out of it. Praise God. But there are some people that sing to the glory of God and to worship God. There's some people that play music for the glory of God. Hollywood don't need our talent. Nashville don't need our talent. We need to give our talent, our time, our ability to God and the furtherance of His kingdom. Hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. And so... Uh, after trying many, many things, uh, we're using our local people to uh, handle the music and local people to lead the choir. And, and uh, you know what? Having some good services. There's nothing that will take the place of just good old-fashioned Holy Ghost church services. Hallelujah. I said there's nothing that will take the place of just good old-fashioned Holy Ghost services. I heard about a church uh, not far from me recently, and a man came. It's in a large city. Uh, it's it's a good sized community, and and uh, uh, they uh, he said uh, they had uh, 30 people on Wednesday night. I'm talking about a church that has had several hundred, and and he said they had 30 people on Wednesday night, and he said uh, uh, wonder why there's been such a drop off, and he said well. Uh, two weeks ago, Wednesday night, they got up and, and they started with a chorus and prayer and they took an offering and then they flipped on the video and watched some uh, speaker speak. And he said, then last Wednesday night, that was a, uh, a week ago, night before last, he said, uh, last Wednesday night, they uh, had, a, had a chorus and they prayed and they took an offering and they flipped on a video and they showed some well-renowned speaker and then the pastors wondered why there's only 30 people there on Wednesday night. Amen. Hallelujah. And this family came to another church, not ours, but another church and told the pastor, we've had it up to here. We've got to get in some good old-fashioned services. Our church is dying. Our church is dying. Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to tell you what we need on Wednesday night. We need a pastor to get in the pulpit and teach the Word of God. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated. I'll tell you what we need Sunday morning. We need a pastor to get in the pulpit and preach the Word of God. You know what we need Sunday night? We need a good old-fashioned pastor to get in the pulpit and open this Bible and preach the Word of God. There's nothing that will take the place of the preaching of the Word of God. Praise God, praise God. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. I said nothing will take the place of it. That which will build saints is the Word of God. That which will build churches is the Word of God. Let God be true and every man alive. What did Paul say to Timothy? Preach the Word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But as long as 
shall they heap to themselves teachers having itch and ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned into fables. Praise God. Timothy preached the word. Hallelujah. I don't have any desire to pastor a church that's built on singing where the only thing the people are looking forward to is the next singing group that's going to come by. Praise God. I want a church that's built on the Jesus name, one God, apostolic message. That's the kind of church I want to pastor. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Somebody say praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, of course, we couldn't show a video on our weeknight service because we don't video our services, and we don't have one in the church. And I'm 58 years old, and I've never had one in my home, so I'd have a hard time showing them. And Durham, praise God. So since we don't do that, I just preach. Hallelujah. 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 Somebody shout amen. amen. Praise God. You know, I, as I was reading these verses, I, I thought how that we're always trying to improve. And there's nothing wrong with that. It, as long as it's, it's, it's in the right uh, situation. There's nothing wrong with improvement. Amen. Somebody said the largest room in the world is room for improvement. And I believe that. That's the biggest room there is. And I want to improve. I don't want to stagnate and just sit down and do nothing. I've learned since I've been here at this conference. Oh, I learned to take something home with me and, 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 and implement some things and talk about some things and, and, and maybe change a few little things here and there. Praise God. I get home tomorrow, and i got Brother Donald Lance preaching tomorrow night, Sunday and Sunday night, for revival. So I think I'll just go home and just back that preacher up and just have a little church there. Praise God. Nothing wrong with that, is it? But you know... In our desire to improve, now listen to me carefully, in our desire to improve, sometimes we are missing the point, we are missing the purpose and plan and will of God. For example, I've seen people that were really trying to get healed. They were just trying so hard, and I've hardly ever seen anybody get it that way. I've seen them stand there and say, I'm telling you, I, I'm not leaving here till I get healed. And they were trying. I've seen folks trying to have faith. You don't, you don't hardly ever get it that way. You know, just straining every nerve, trying to stand there and have faith. I've seen folks try to get the Holy Ghost in their own way, in their own manner, in their own preconceived ideas. And they'll stand up there and, uh, and, 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 and they won't get it. They won't get the Holy Ghost that way. But something happens when we just start believing the Word of God and having real faith in God, faith that comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Usually we don't get improvement or healings or miracles, our Holy Ghost power, by just trying to get better. Praise God. I think it's time that we do what Moses did Brother, he didn't come back with a self-improvement program, but he stood there in behalf of the people and said, if you kill them, then kill me too. Brother, he had a genuine love for other people, and that was the thing that kept him, and that thing that kept the people alive. Amen. long time ago, I quit trying to be a good preacher and preach good sermons. All of my saints can... Out for that. They haven't heard a good sermon, they don't know when. 
but I've quit trying to wow people out. You know, sometimes when you're young, you try to really wow folks out. I guess a lot of young preachers really try to preach a good sermon, you know. And as a young man, I had dreams of being a good preacher and had dreams of being a a, a, a good husband and, and a good father. I, I just about give up on some of that. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our man preached came to Missouri one time where I was raised. And, and uh, he he had the most unusual text, by the way, anybody I ever heard. I don't remember a single word he said, but I remember his text. And I, I, I just thought, Dr. Point, I'd rather you remember what I say than remember the text. I tried to get the message and get the text. And I remember him preaching. And his subject one night was seven ducks in a muddy pond. And oh, it was a pretty text. I talked about neighbors going out and ducks in the river Jordan. Seven ducks in a muddy pond. One night he said, I'm announcing my subject tonight. My subject is the fox chicks. And I wondered what he's going to say. He didn't say much, but he did say where Jesus told Herod, said, go, about Herod said, go tell that fox. And so he preached on the fox chicks. I don't remember nothing else he said, but we chased foxes all night. <laughs> One night he got up there and he said, my subject tonight is giving the pigs a permanent wage. And I wonder what he's going to say about that. Of course, he talked about the prodigal son waving goodbye to all the pigs down the hog pen. And he, uh, you know, he just really had... Some fancy text. I heard a guy on the radio one day in our town, and he said, yesterday on this program, I preached on what's wrong with the world. And he said, today, I'm preaching altogether different. My subject is different. I'm preaching today on what the world's wrong. <laughs> and I, I didn't kind of get the point, you know. One day it was what's wrong with the world. Next day it was what's, what the world's wrong. Well, <laughs> Amen. I, I didn't get it too much, but maybe I'm a little dumb about things like that. But you know what? There's going to come a day when we'll find out uh, how good a preacher, how good a pastor we've been. But you know what my desire is today as a pastor? I'm 58 years old, and I realize time is winding up, not only for me, but for the Lord's coming, which is near at hand. You know what I want to do? I just want to love people and preach the Word of God and just love folks and just stand in the gap and make up the heads and preach to people the beautiful saving gospel of Jesus Christ. Somebody say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Maybe there'll come a day I'll find out if I was a good pastor or a good husband or a good father. But until then, I'll just kind of forget that. And I'll just kind of stand in the pulpit and try to meet the needs of someone else. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've had the privilege through the years of preaching in some special meetings, and I don't ever take that lightly. I appreciate the privilege of getting to preach right here in the old fast conference with such a wonderful, dedicated man of God as Brother Johnson. It's an honor to be here. But I, I quit some time ago trying to impress people. Hallelujah. I just want to help somebody. When I get in the pulpit, I'm motivated by the fact I want to help somebody. If I can minister to somebody in that congregation, praise God, then my living and my preaching has not been in vain. 
I was preaching the other night, and a man came to me after church and said, Pastor, I plan to commit suicide. He's not really a member of the church, but he comes occasionally. But he said, your sermon tonight changed my mind. He was the altar praying, and he's still living. I'd like to help somebody. I don't care if you remember my text today. I don't care if you remember some flashy words I say. But if I could help somebody to know God and to get an experience with God and a relationship with God, that's what it's all about. Praise God. Summer before last, I was preaching a, a camp meeting in New Brunswick, Canada. And uh, one night, there was 2,000 people or so they said there, and uh, one night a man came up to me after church, big tall guy. He must have been about 6'6". Six, six. And he came up to me, Brother Johnson, and he said, Preacher, you don't know me, do you? I said, No, I've never seen you. And he said, I don't know you. But he said, My wife's standing here. And he said, I told her on the way to church tonight. I've been in church 14 years. And he said, I'm going to church tonight. But this is the last time I'm going. I'm quitting church after tonight. I'm not getting anything out of it. And I'm not really happy. And said, I'm quitting church. After tonight, this will be my last service. But he said, something you said in that sermon caused me to pray. And he said, I don't know if you noticed me, but I prayed over here. And he said, for the first time in months, I talked in tongues and I worshiped God. And he said, Preacher, I want to tell you I don't know you, but I'm not quitting church. Praise God. And he said, I want to tell my wife I'm not quitting church. I'm going to stay in church and live for God. Hallelujah. If I can help some teenager to get a hold of God and get a hold of your life. If I can help some saint of God to get a hold of it. If I can help some young married couple to get prayer in your family and to get God in your life. Hallelujah. If I can help some senior citizen in the sunset of your years to say, I've got to have a fresh touch of God. I'm about to leave this world, but I want to leave here shouting that I feel like my preaching has not been wasted. Let's praise the Lord. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. There was an old preacher said one time, and I heard him say it, he said, he said, a sermon is like a greasy wrench that's used to try to fix something. Praise God. He said it's like a greasy wrench. It's not like a clean, unused wrench, but he said it's like an old greasy wrench that's used to fix something. And that's what preaching ought to be. And that's the kind of preaching we heard here this morning and last night through this conference. It's fixing some things. It's establishing some principles in our heart. Hallelujah. 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 I want to get that old crazy wrench out again today. Glory to God. Glory to God. I said hallelujah. God put in the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. And we all come in the unity of the faith, under the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, under the measure, and the stature, and the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be the more children, tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, by the slide of men and cunning craftiness, whereby the lion wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in him who is the head of all things, even Jesus Christ. God set the ministry in the church for the perfecting of the saints. 
One version says, for the repair of the saints. For the perfecting of the saints. For the repair of the saints. Glory to God. This is the first Pentecostal church garage. Come in here. We do everything from minor tune-ups to major overhauls. Pastor, get the wrench out. Praise God. And start tightening up a few things here and, and making a few adjustments here. And I'm going to tell you something. When your pastor gets in the pulpit and starts preaching, you should never resist it. I resent it. I build a wall between you and him. Embrace the teachings of that man of God. He's going to get you to heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said, that man of God's going to get you to heaven. I was reading the other day again in, the, in Hebrews 13 and verse number 7. He said, remember them that have the rule over you, who have spoken to you the word of God, whose faith follow. Then he said, obey them that have the rule over you, and, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your soul. But in verse 7, he said, whose faith follow, or whose teachings follow, or whose doctrine follow. Praise God, praise God. You ought to thank God today for a man of God that stands in your pulpit to preach. I'm going to tell you, every church in America don't have a man like uh, a Brother Tommy Johnson, our Brother Phil White, our Brother Ron Garrett. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, our brother's source. Every church in America don't have that kind of pastor. And you ought to thank God for a man that's there. Hallelujah, with a burden, with a heart for the people, with a concern for the people. Hallelujah. If he's not there just for money. Somebody said, oh, that preacher's driving a good car. But I'll guarantee you, when he went to that church, he had no promise of a salary. He had no promise of a good car. He had no promise of a home. He didn't have the promise of anything. Most men here either started the church I took it as a small church. They had a promise of nothing, just a burden, just a desire to do something for God. You ought to thank God today for men of God that's got a desire to build a church and to build people. Hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. And so I just about reached the point that the Johnson that I'm trying to preach to me. I'm not an evangelist, and I know that. I'm a pastor. I had an old preacher to tell me back when I was about 20 years old as an evangelist. He said, if you'll always preach to broken hearts, you'll never lack someone to preach to. I tried to remember that. He said, if you'll always preach to broken hearts. He said this. He said, there'll be at least one to two broken hearts on every pew. And he said, I'll tell you something, son. If you'll preach to broken hearts, You'll never lack for someone to preach to. Hallelujah. I kind of took that advice. Folks coming in our churches are bound by drugs and alcohol and immorality, illicit sex and rock music. Hallelujah. Do they ever listen to rock music in Colorado Springs? Anybody listen to rock music? I'm not talking about in church. I'm talking about around the world. Well, I, I, a guy come into church recently. Here's what he said. He said, Brother, go there. I've quit my drugs. I've quit drinking. I've quit smoking. But he said, I can't give up rock music. He said, I'm hooked on it. I'm addicted to it. And I want to tell somebody here today, if you're addicted to rock music, you need to be delivered from it. Hallelujah. Oh, you say none of our young people listen to it. You don't know what they listen to when they're in the car by themselves. 
I've been passing church a long time. It's been said throughout this meeting. People are about the same everywhere. Brother Winford Black, you'd say, only the names and faces are different. And there's a lot of truth in that. People are about the same everywhere. I went up north one time preached a revival when I was evangelizing. It's in Ohio. It's in Ohio. And a pastor tell me the first night, he said, now, brother, go there. We're a little different here. We don't believe in crying and, and uh, praying around the altar and getting your face all in contortions. He said, we don't believe in all of that. I said, you don't. I said, what do you believe in? Oh, he said, you just preach and, and you just preach us a, a good sermon and said, that's, that's what we like. I said, really? I said, I'm not sure I can fill the bill on that. Praise God. He said, I don't want no crying around this altar. Well, I'm different, brother. I, I like to see some tears. That's a pretty good sign to pastor. Somebody comes weeping, crying, and praying, seeking the face of God, saying, oh, God, I've got to have a touch of your spirit. Praise God. Praise God. He told me, he said, I don't want any crying. But you know what? We started to have a revival, and in spite of what the pastor wanted, folks started coming to the altar. They started crying. They started praying. You know what I did? I got right down on my hands and knees right beside of them. I started crying praying with them. We had seven people to get the Holy Ghost. Praise God. And you know what he told me? He said, we ain't like them southern churches. I said, really, what's the difference? Oh, he said, we're, you know, northern people are more laid back. They're not like you southern people. And uh, he said, they don't feel things like you all do. I said, oh, really? I said, let me try a safety pin, straight pin here. I'll stick it in this pew and you sit down on it. And I said, then you let me sit down on it. And I said, I'll guarantee you, you'll jump as high as I do and say, ouch, just like I do. I said, the fact is, you northern folks have got feelings just like we have. And you know what? That preacher, I don't think he liked my preaching because I'm just a old country boy. But the next year, I got a letter from him, and he said, dear brother, go there. He said, the people want you to come back and preach the revival. He never did say he did. He's, that's what he said. He said, the people want, uh, want asking for you to come back. Which come? I wrote him back. We said, date. Went back and preached two weeks. About 10 or 12 got the Holy Ghost. And a year later, he wrote me a letter. And he said, brother, go there. The people are wondering when are you going to come back. He never one time said he enjoyed a sermon. He never one time said he liked what I was preaching. But he said the people enjoyed it. Well, you know what? We need some preachers to like it. I, I've always kind of been, you know, Maverick. I went to Louisiana one time, priest, and they had a rule. Pulpit committee told me the first night, said, we got a rule here, you have to wear a tie. You can't pull your tie off. I said, really? And they said, yes. And I said, well, let's see what happens. And that pulpit committee met me at Pentecostal Church and told me I couldn't pull my tie off. And so I got to preaching about ten minutes later, and I thought, I'm going to try the spirit of these people out. Bless God, I just took my tie off and just laid over the side. I started preaching. I just got about that big. But you know what? Gave an altar call. About six or eight people came to the altar. And the next night, it went so good, I just pulled it off again. And uh, so I just decided, bless God, I'll just pull it off every night. And so so help me God, every night for two weeks, I got up, pulled my neck tie off, and preached. Praise God. Praise God. You know what? That old filthy spirit needs to be broken. That old starchy spirit of pride needs to be broken. Brother, you know what we need to do? We need to learn to clap our hands and lift our hands and sing and shout and talk in tongues and have church.
Praise God. And you know what happened? I left there and started church in Missouri and spent almost 11 years there. And, and they saw a good church established. And then we went to Durham, North Carolina. And you know what? Had been there for about three months, Brother Garrett. And we got a letter from the pulpit committee's chairman, Louisiana's daughter. And she said, she knew my wife had met her. She said, I heard y'all going to North Carolina, and I want to help you build a church. That, her daddy was the, the chairman of that pulpit committee. He told me, don't pull my title. And you know what she did? For five years, she sent us an offering every month to help us start a brand new church. Every time it came Christmas, she'd send us a ham or our turkey through the mail. Praise God. I'm so glad I pulled my towel. If I kept that tie on, I don't believe we'd ever got it. I would never got that turkey or that ham. Bless Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. I'd just like to tear down some old attitudes here today and everybody just come clean in their heart and say, I just want to love people. Praise God. Praise God. Why don't you quit trying to be a better husband? Why don't you quit trying to be a better wife? Oh, you say, well, that's, that's the opposite of what our pastor, he's been telling us we need to be a better. Glory to God. What I'm saying is, quit trying and being uptight and just start meeting the needs of your husband or wife. Is that all right? Praise God. I've been married 36 years. We just uh, celebrated our, my wife and I, our 36th wedding anniversary early this month. Now, you know, I've learned a few things, Brother White. I ain't the smartest man in the world. But I've learned a few things in 36 years. I've learned what it takes to make my wife happy. <laughs> yeah, I'll take her to the mall just like yours, bless God. Hallelujah. And so I walk up and down the malls eating ice cream at my wife's shop. No. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm not a shopper, but I, I'm an eater, bless God. I can do that. I can hide some food away. Glory to God. But you know what? I've learned what makes that lady happy. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to quit trying to be a better husband and thinking about myself. I'm going to start trying to minister to the needs of my wife. Hallelujah. Moses didn't say, I've just come back from the mountain and I've had a new experience with God. All of you sit down and listen here and look at my shiny face. The Bible said his face was shining and he didn't even know it. The Bible said his face was shining and, and he didn't even know it. You know what? When you're being a good husband, you probably won't even know it. You're just making it easier in your life. If you know when you're being a good wife, you probably won't even know you're a good wife. You're just meeting the needs of your husband. If you know when you're a good parent, you probably won't stick a sign out on you and walk around and say, I'm a good parent. What you're doing is just meeting the needs of your kids. Is that all right? Praise God. Praise God. His face was shining, but the Bible says he wished not. Hallelujah. Moses didn't say, all of y'all sit down. I want to show you and tell you how to have a shiny face like mine. His face was glory. That put something over it so he could talk to the people. They couldn't even look upon him because his face was shining with the glory and the presence and power of God. But the Bible said his face was glowing, but he didn't know it. His face was shining, but he didn't know it. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 
Now, I want you to notice there's two times in particular, and I'm going to rush to close, but there's two times in particular that the word with not was used. The Bible said here about Moses that he wished not that he got it. And of Simpson it says, wish not, he wished not that he lost it. Moses didn't know that he had it, and Samson didn't know he lost it. Moses' face was shining, the Bible said he didn't know it, wasn't aware of it. can clap their hands and beat and stay in time and they can sing good but they don't even know that they've lost something of the touch and the power of God. Oh, let me tell you, friend, it's time that every child of God begins to get in tune with the Spirit. Hallelujah. And not saying, look who I am. I look what I've done. But to say, oh, God, I want the glory of God. And when I get it, I probably won't even know it. But somebody else will know it and they'll be affected by it. Hallelujah. I just kind of passed her off the cuff. I, I don't pass her like a lot of folks, I guess. But I saw a young man on our platform the other night. Just, I've been watching him. He's just kind of going through the most. I went to him last week, and I said, Son, he's about 18. I said, I don't think we need you on the platform anymore for a while. He said, Why is that? I said, Because you're not with it. You're just going through the motions up here. We don't need that. You say, Well, that's being mean. No, I don't think so. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I went to a boy who plays, plays music on the platform uh, about ten days ago, and I said, son, if you don't get with the program, uh, you, you're not going to be on this platform very long, because I need more than just a musician. I need somebody that knows how to pray and worship God and get in the Spirit. This is not just mechanical. This is not just the mechanics of it. Hey, hallelujah. When you, lose the me- when you lose the power, you resort to just the mechanics of it and going through the motions of some Pentecostal catechism. I'm telling you, we don't need just the motions. Hallelujah. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes on you. It's not by might, not by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what we need today more than anything else? You know what you need more than that pretty building out there? And you've got it. I'm not saying you don't. You need the power of God. That's the main thing. That's the main thing. That's the main thing. Oh, hallelujah. 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 You want to be a good friend? You want to be a good husband or wife? You want to be a good parent? Start trying to meet the needs of others. Praise God. I'm not trying to just trying to be a good husband. My wife was here. She said, amen. But I'll tell you what I do want to do. I'm not here, and I'm not in my home just to, just to, just to try to be a better husband. Go to another seminar on how to be a better husband. Go to another seminar on how to have shiny. I don't need this. I just need to start meeting the needs of somebody. The greatest thing that can happen in the church is when everybody starts ministering to the needs of someone else. When a visitor walks in and wants to sit down beside of you, you don't make them climb over four sets of feet before they get in the pew. Praise God. Praise God. I said, uh, when a visitor comes in, we ought to act like there's somebody special. Well, I tell our folks when visitors come, they're special. Praise God. Scoot over. Let them have a seat. It's necessary. Get up and give them your seat. I'm telling you, friend, we've got to start ministering to the needs of other people. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. So instead of just trying to be a better husband, 
I want that little lady that I've been married to for 36 years to be loved like she ought to be loved. And I want, to, I want her to feel that she's as beautiful as I really think she is. I really do. Oh, I'm telling you, I still think she's the prettiest lady I've been. Glory to God. And I was teaching our young people Tuesday night, just three nights, two nights, two or three nights ago, Tuesday night. And I said, you see that lady sitting on the front row there? I said, in the first place, when I dated her, I had the Holy Ghost and she had the Holy Ghost. So I didn't even try to get her to commit fornication. But I said, if I had a maid, some advantage. I said, my jaws would still be ringing. She'd have knocked me right flat back on my blessed assurance, and I wouldn't have got up for six. Boy, I'm telling you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, uh, you know what? We need some young people that's got purity in their heart. We don't need a bunch of fornicators in our churches. We need some young people that's got the heart right, got right with God. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Praise God, praise God. You girls, if you're out, I'm, I'm a pastor, but I'm not pastoring this church. I'm not going to stop. You girls, if you're out with somebody, some boy, he tries to reach over, get a little fresh with you, you take the Bible with you, and you lay the Bible between you and him, and you tell him, I dare you to climb over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Glory to God. Glory to God. Everybody said praise the Lord. You know what I, you know what I had a, a district superintendent tell me here a while back? He said, Brother Godair, he said our churches are full of fornication. He said, I just had four pastors call me since Sunday and say that they've got key young people in their churches that are committing fornication. And uh, I had preached at Greensboro's conference against uh, uh, young people going out and committing fornication and having oral sex. And he said, I'm telling you, that is becoming a plague. He said, there are, he said, there are Bible schools filled with oral sex. And the young people are still saying, I'm clean and pure and I'm a virgin. I'm telling you, that is not the case. Get a little quiet in here. Hallelujah. 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 Glory. We need some young people that's got their head on straight and their hearts right with God and full of the Spirit. Praise God. They can marry right. We need some young people that can step up the altar and still be virgins. You hear what I'm saying today? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Now let me impose and come back to my text. Moses on the mountain didn't ask for a thing for he didn't say, oh, God, would you bless my ministry? Oh, God, would you give me some that will really wow me out? Oh, God, would you really help me to preach some good sermons? Oh, God, would you really help me? Give me a message tonight that will knock them off their pew. He didn't say that. But he said, God, I'd like for you to help me to meet the needs of the people. He said, I'm going to stand here for the people. Moses said, my people have sinned. They built a golden calf. They've worshipped false worship. They have sung songs. They shouldn't sing. Hear me. What he said. They've been doing things they shouldn't do. They've been dressing like they shouldn't dress. Now he said that. Go back and read it. I'm paraphrasing, but the text is clear. They've been doing things they shouldn't do. They've been singing around that golden calf. They've been singing some songs they shouldn't sing. And they've been dressing like they shouldn't dress. But Moses said, if you don't forgive them and blot my name out. You're talking about a man that loved his people. Blot my name out. 
Paul the Apostle said to the church one time, I could wish myself accursed for the people's sake. And one version said, I would be willing to go to hell if it would save my people. God, help us today. Hallelujah. I don't know if I'm a good pastor. I'm not trying to be. I just try to get up every Tuesday night and every Sunday morning and every Sunday night and minister to the needs of the people that I'm preaching to. Whether I take a text or not is, is not important. Whether I preach a great sermon is not important. Hallelujah. I'm just trying to minister to the people. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'll guarantee you that every preacher that's in this building today are preaching because they love God and they love people and they love the people they're preaching to. And those people are special. And if that man has to come down straight and get a little straight once in a while, it's not because he's trying to be mean and ugly and antagonistic, but he sees the need there. Praise God. He's got the greasy wrench out and he's working here and there. But it's not for your detriment. It's for your salvation. Everybody say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You say, Brother Gooder, you going to preach good sermons? Probably not. You ever preach a great sermon? I doubt if I've ever preached one in my life. That's not my motivation. My motivation is to love the people that I preach to. That's my motivation. I'm going to tell you, I love you folks today. But I'm going to just be absolutely plain with you. I love the folks in Durham, North Carolina better than any place I've ever preached in my life. That's right. I love every one of you. Praise God. I'll go home tomorrow if God let me live. But I'm going to tell you who, who I, I'd rather preach to the, the, the local church on the Sunday night than to preach in a general conference. And I speak the truth in Christ. I'd rather preach to our folks on Sunday night, I'd preach the Tuesday night Bible study, than to preach in some big name fancy uh, conference or service, our camp meeting. Praise God. I want the rest of my days to be spent loving people and reaching people and ministering to people, and ministering to the needs of people. Musicians, would you come? Hallelujah. I don't know if I'm a good husband. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to minister to the needs of my wife. I don't know if I'm a good father. i got two girls, and uh, they're both married to young men that are home missionaries. I'd rather they be a home missionary than starting a brand new church from scratch. That's where both of them are, and they're really having to do some scratches. One of them said they both started in the storefront. One of them still in the storefront. Just a little simple storefront few folding chairs. And uh, the, I, I went up there and preached for them in Asheville, North Carolina recently. And I challenged that church. They had about 30 or 35 there. It was about two months ago, Brother White. And I said, you folks can do better. You folks can get out of here and start reaching people. And I preached a little sermon, about 25 minutes, on loving people and reaching people and getting out there reaching people. And, and, and Robbie said, that night something turned around. And last Sunday, they had 75 at that little storefront. Praise God. And the people are getting out there and getting a hold of it. Praise God. Praise God. I'm sick and tired of people saying, I can't bring nobody to church. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I tell you what, you just start loving people like you ought to love them. We, we've, we've run buses all 26 years I've been in Durham. First year I was there, we got a bus. Second year I got another bus. My wife drive one, I drove the other. Three and a half years she drove a bus and I drove a bus every Sunday. How you build a church? Bless God, you just woke sleep and go to work. The only place in the world, somebody said, that success is before work is in the dictionary. You won't find it nowhere else. Praise God. So we're wrong for slaves went to work. Finally, I had a preacher to come preach for me. He got up there. We had some men by this time. And he said, you men ought to be ashamed of yourself. Just go down there and run that bus. Driving that bus, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. And one old guy stood up. And he never had run a bus route. Didn't know what it was hardly. He said, I'll run that bus route. Boy, he was so quiet. I thought, no. He was so backward. 
so quiet, Brother Saul. Now, he couldn't leave the solid prayer. I mean, that guy was, he was, he was the most, he's still in church. He's one of our trustees. Uh, baptized, first man baptized when I went to Durham 26 years ago. And he's trustee today. You know what he said I'll do? I'll go out and run a bus route. I said, well, you better let me show you how. And I went out and took him four or five weeks on Saturday visitation. He said, I'm ready to go after it. I said, you ready? He said, I'm ready. Turn me loose. I turned him loose, and that bus route started growing. He got up to 100 people. I'd go visit the homes where he'd been. And I said, Lord McGee, your bus captain? He said, yeah. And uh, I said, he's a quiet fellow, isn't he? He's kind of quiet and laid back. They said, oh, yeah. But he said, when he gets in his home, he comes alive. I've had several people tell me, when he gets in the home of sinners, he comes alive. Quietest guy you've ever seen in church. When he gets around sinners, he's coming alive. So I started challenging our church. We run for the last five years about 500 on our buses every Sunday. I started challenging our church about two months ago, six weeks, seven weeks ago. I said, we can do better than this. I lost my bus director. What do you do when you lose your bus director? Bless God, you just do it yourself. That's what you do. I lost my youth pastor. I just become a youth leader. Praise God. I lost my choir director. I just direct the choir. No, I'm not going to take a direct choir. But I lost my bus director. He moved out of state. So I said, uh, I'll take that. I'll just become bus director. I've got 105 people I met with Tuesday night. I meet with them now every Tuesday night at the church. And so I'm bus director. Praise God. And I said, I'm sick and tired of some of you folks sitting around here running the same number on the bus you've been running five years. Now it's time for us to do better. Say, was you really mean? No, I love those people. They know I love them. Praise God. And so they started going to work. One lady came to me and she said, Brother Goddard, I said, I've never been a bus captain in my life. Would you mind if I just went out and start me and this new, brand new lady? Angie just got told to go to Brother Ken Bow preach for me two weeks in March. And uh, this brand new lady, Angie, said, uh, I'll go with her and we'll knock some doors. You mind? I said, No, I don't mind a bit. Uh, I don't ever mind folks doing door knocking, cleaning the church. And all. You know, usually it's some upfront job some folks want. Yeah. And I get a witness right there. Not everybody wants to clean toilets and run bus routes, but. <laughs> Praise God. And I said, you can run bus route. They went out on Saturday. And she, I saw her Saturday night at choir practice. And the new lady was there. She's not in the choir, but she was there with her. And come up for church. And they said, Brother, go there. We got 30 promises to come tomorrow. We, we can't bring them in a car. Can we get a van? And I said, yeah, if you got that many. But I thought in my mind, now, if they got 30 promises, they'll have about five to come. That's what I'm thinking. And I've been out there, and I've had so many people promise they wouldn't come. You know, you got to keep after, keep after. I've made five or ten. Well, they came back in, and on Sunday morning, she came up to me after church. She said, you know how I many we have in that van? I said, no. She said, we 33. I, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about a lady that's never won a soul. I'm talking about a lady that's never taught a Bible study. I'm talking about a lady that's never run a bus route. I'm talking about a lady that's never done anything. And she's got a brand new convert full of the Holy Ghost, and they go out and bring 33. And so she said, can we have the van again next Sunday? I said, yeah. And so it ran the van next Sunday, which was this past Sunday. Came in and said, do you know how many we had? I said, no. She said, we had 34. She said, we need a bus. You think we could get a big bus? Praise God. Boy, that's kind of, that's music in my ears. I like to hear that. Hallelujah. Been, been out there knocking doors two weeks and had 33 and 34. And they said, this coming Sunday, they're going to have 50. And so Sunday we could go. I challenged our bus workers. and They had 731 on the buses. And last Sunday they had 733 to ride our buses. Church, 21 buses and 10 vans, and 31 vehicles were running every, every Sunday. Praise God. You say, I'm not going to go out and get a bunch of old snotty-nosed kids dirty and stinking and all of that. But, brother, you can just say what you want to. 
We're just going to keep on loving people. Let's stand up for a minute. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I don't think you've got to run a bus route to be saved, but you better do something if you're going to be saved. I believe that everybody in the church ought to be doing something about evangelism, about reaching the lost. Everybody. Everybody. You say, not me. I'm talking to you. Everybody in the church ought to do something. Run a bus route, teach Bible study, ought to do something. Ought to be doing something. The hour is too late. The time is too short. We ought to be doing something for God. Amen. Work while it's day because the night is coming when no man can work. Somebody handed me a little poem the other day. I'll close with this. Lord, please use me. Lord, please use me, but not in the nursery. I don't like crying babies. Lord, please use me, but not at the rest home. I don't like working with old people. Lord, please use me, but not on campus ministry. I can't communicate with college students. Lord, please use me, but not on visitation. I don't have time. Lord, please use me. Not on bus ministry. I'd have to get up too early. I got bus captains, Brother White, that are at church seven o'clock Sunday morning, ready to go. Face commitment, dedication. Hallelujah. Every week, every week, folks getting baptized, getting the Holy Ghost off the bus route. Every week. Every week. You say you can't build a church on bus kids. I don't know. Praise God. I don't know if you can or not. I'm just trying to reach people, love people. That's all God called me to do. He didn't call me to recognize whether my face was shining or not. He said, just go do the work. Just just love people. And uh, now then, and I'm not saying this bragging, I shouldn't even say it. I'm saying the glory of God. We've got nine buildings and, and uh, about four, four plus million dollars worth of property. And, and we'll pay off the last house. The last one of them we'll pay it off this month, the month of May. Month of May. And we'll own nine buildings, 31 vehicles, and it won't go down to nobody. Hey, you build a bus route on them kids. You'd be surprised what them kids told a brother yesterday about years ago, old smart boy and a dumb boy went to school together. A dumb boy was me. No, I'm just teasing that. It could have been very well. And uh, the dumb boy couldn't get his math, didn't, couldn't add, subtract, multiply, divide. And uh, so he got out of school. And all the way he got through school was copying off his smart boy's lessons, watching them. And ten years later, they met for a class reunion. Smart boy was, had almost a minimum wage job, and old dumb boy was a millionaire. And he said, I hear you're a millionaire drinking a Coke. And he said, yeah. And he said, how'd you do it? Oh, he said, it wasn't too bad. He said, I went to work for a steakhouse and just kept working, kept working, finally bought some stock. And then I finally bought a steakhouse. And now I own two or three steakhouses. And said, ah. but he said, you were so dumb. You didn't know about math. You couldn't answer. He said, how can you do business? Oh, he said, it's easy. He said, I buy steaks for a dollar and sell them for $4. You'd be surprised how that 3% went Praise God. Lord, please use me, but not to teach a home Bible study. Ten weeks? My thing. Lord, please use me, but not for cleanup around the church. I'm too busy cleaning my own house. Lord, please use me, but not as a Sunday school teacher. I'm around kids all week. Someone else have them on the weekend. Lord, please use me. Not in prison ministry. No way I want to go around those people. And then the person was praying. I just don't understand why the Lord doesn't use me. Moses? Is your face shining? I don't know. You going to write a book about shiny faces? I don't plan on it. You going to teach a seminar on how to have shiny face? No, I hadn't made any plans to. I didn't even know it was shining. But your face is shining. Well, that's all right. Only because I've been in the presence of God in behalf of the people. Let's worship God. Hallelujah. 
worship the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. Praise God. You know, I, as I was reading these verses, I, I thought how that we're always trying to improve. And there's nothing wrong with that. It, as long as it's, it's, it's in the right uh, situation. There's nothing wrong with improvement. Amen. Somebody said the largest room in the world is room for improvement. And I believe that. That's the biggest room there is. And I want to improve. I don't want to stagnate and just sit down and do nothing. I've learned since I've been here at this conference. Well, I learned to take something home with me and, 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 and implement some things and talk about some things and, and, and maybe change a few little things here and there. Praise God. I get home tomorrow, and I got Brother Donald Lance preaching tomorrow night, Sunday and Sunday night for revival. So I think I'll just go home and just back that preacher up and just have a little church there. Praise God. Nothing wrong with that, is it? 